2: Thanks
3: for listening to the Doug Gottlieb Show podcast. Be sure to catch us live every weekday from 3 to 5 Eastern, 12 to Pacific on Fox Sports Radio. Find your local station for the Doug Gottlieb Show at foxsportsradio.com or stream us live every day on the iHeartRadio app by searching FSR. Boom! What up, America? Doug Gottlieb Show. Fox Sports Radio. We're broadcasting live from the TyRite.com studios, TyRite.com. Let me get there. Unmatched selection. Fast, free shipping. Free roadhouse protection over 10000 Recommended dollars, TyRite.com. So tire buying should be. Well, I don't feel like this was this was that hard a game to predict, right? And obviously, every little play within it you can't predict. But the 49ers dominated the Dallas Cowboys. 49ers better defensively, 49ers better offensively, their quarterbacks more efficient. They ran the football a lot better. Um, they probably even smell better they I, they, they do I, that's un- completely unconfirmed and i don't I don't know but I, I I think so And you know a lot of it comes down to a lot of it comes down honestly to the um, quarterbacks, right everything has to do with the quarterbacks a- and on one hand you have Brock Purdy. Right. Who's the picture of efficiency. The other hand, you have Dak Prescott and you're like, man, Dak Prescott's not that good. I think that's now I, I will be fully honest with you that I get things wrong. I have never been wrong about Dak Prescott. If you want to go back and track my radio history, and you can do it, you can Google search whatever, when Dak Prescott was a rookie and Tony Romo got hurt and he took the league by storm and they won 13 games when Tony Romo was healthy, I was like, Tony Romo should be the quarterback of the Cowboys. People were like, no. There there were talks of it being having a racial implication even back then. And Romo's like, hey, it's a meritocracy. He's earned it. He gets it. And he stepped aside. But the reality is that... Dak is way, way better than we would have thought coming out of Mississippi State. Uh, better than where he was drafted. Better than he was slotted on that, that initial rookie year team where Kellen Moore was actually the backup, but Kellen Moore got, got hurt. And so Dak Prescott got, got to start, and he had a basic all star team around him. They had a great offensive line, they had a great running game, they had good wide receivers. They had a good defense. They had a good year. But as has always been the case, it tops out at a certain part. And when your quarterback has some limitations, you, you got to cover it. And even then, sometimes it, it it's not enough. But one of the reasons it's impossible not to compare salaries, not just because you know, once you find out what he makes and you find out what Brock Purdy makes and Brock Purdy plays better, you point that out. But it's also the reality of what San Francisco's been able to build. Did they have a higher-priced quarterback at, at Jimmy Garoppolo? Yeah. And he, he got them to a Super bowl. But then they they quickly realized that, one, Garoppolo gets hurt and then, two, if you want to keep this train rolling of having the most talented team, you can't lop in the most money to one position. That's just not especially quarterback, because it makes two to three times what some of the other important positions make, and so it becomes an imbalance in your roster. That's what's happened with the Cowboys. The offensive line is not what it used to be. Dak Prescott is not as as uh, as good as there have been times in which he has been discussed. But I've never been a huge Dak guy, and I think that has reared its head in playoff games and in big games like this. It doesn't mean he can't throw. It doesn't mean he's not a great leader. It doesn't mean that he's the worst player ever. But there just comes a point where when you make that much money and you're giving the keys to a team, and granted, they didn't run the football well, but you have to be able to bring more to the table. I mean, I'll be honest. I've watched Jalen Hurts and thought there's some – I think Jalen Hurts is a little bit more accurate – but Jalen Hurts is playing with that kind of all-star team, uh, still playing salary cap-wise on his rookie deal, and they're able to load up the team around him. There'll be a time which Jalen Hurts has to carry his team, and they won't have as many pieces, and we'll see what that looks like. Right? That second contract when we start to figure out, once it comes live, is when we start to figure out who's really a dude and who is a dude because they were on a rookie contract and they surrounded him with people, Right? Here's Kyle Shanahan summing up the win. He was really good. Uh, everybody was pretty good. thought he missed one throw throughout the day, um, from what it seems
1: like. Just a little behind B.A. in the first quarter on one, and everything else seemed pretty flawless. He did a great job versus real good pass rush, some tight coverages. Guys gave him some time, and also the guys made a lot of plays, too.
3: Mm. Here is uh, Mike McCarthy, the head coach of the Cowboys, after the loss.
4: Well, uh, explanation, uh, a very humbling loss. Clearly uh, stating the obvious, I think the biggest thing is um, I, I just had a quick reflection on the five games that we played in. It's been a wide range of performance as wide as a range that I could ever recall in a five week period. I didn't see this coming. Um, I thought their prep was was good this week. So I, I thought we had one of our better Fridays and Saturdays of the year. So but I, I think like I've, we've talked about before, sometimes you have a great week of preparation and it doesn't go so well. And some weeks it's not the best. We your preparation you play well, so we did not we did not hit the mark at all today. Hmm. Um,
3: okay. L- let, me, l- let me ask you guys Is like I I wasn't surprised. I mean, I guess you're surprised by somebody getting thumped. I thought the Niners were better. And maybe it's that the Niners are playing at home. I don't know. Uh, that I, I didn't realize they would be that much better. But I thought the Niners were better. Are we Did did any of you guys walk in and were you surprised that the Cowboys weren't as good as the Niners? Bye, are you, I mean, when you're watching yesterday and you're leading up, you and George are doing the Sunday show. Did you guys think the Cowboys were as good as the Niners?
5: No, I picked the Niners like, as you said, many people did. I think that maybe we were fooled because of what happened in the divisional playoff game. Where it was only a 1912 game, and Dak's turnovers were, you know, so so magnified. So you're saying to yourself, okay, well maybe if that's cleaned up, and the defense can rise, but I don't think that there was anybody that thought that Dallas was a better team and going to go in there and win.
3: Is it is it the way it went down that that people yes. you think people are surprised? Yeah,
5: and that Dak was Dak. So funny, Doug, because you and I have. You we've had Dak Prescott conversations as you've said, and we've had Brock Purdy conversations as you you know throughout these couple of weeks and last season, and just to see them on the same field, and it may not be entirely fair, but I, I don't think that it's a to see what Purdy was doing and to see what Dak was doing, just even magnified what Dak was doing even more so last yeah. night.
3: I I agree with that. I you know it's interesting. You bring up a really fascinating point of discussion, which is you can't compare quarterbacks head-to-head when they're playing against each other, right? Like we used to do like Manning versus Brady. They don't play each other, yeah. but, but, and this is the point, and I experienced this last year, if you remember, when the Dolphins played the Chargers, there was the the rumblings. Who was it uh on Fox TV? It was Acho, uh, right? Emmanuel Acho. Who you know said you know, Tua is the best quarterback in the league or whatever, and that Justin Herbert was a social media quarterback and y- y- yada yada. If you when you went to that game, the difference in the two was so stark in contrast. And not just I mean Justin Herbert feels like he's a head taller than him. He's more athletic. The ball just had more life. There's way more throws that he could make. And you know you watch Tua in person. It's not now. Look, Tua played a, a, well yesterday as uh, again he's great in that system. But when you see him head to head, and I think you make a great point. If you watch that game, and you said which one of these quarterbacks, you know, w- you know, was a at the time one of the higher paid quarterbacks, I know people have kind of boat raced him, whatever. He's still making a lot of money. And which one was a guy who just got in the league? You would say the other two. Are, he he's very sharp and decisive, and knows where he's going to go with the ball. And it doesn't feel like where's where's Dak you know he's never been crazy at once you go th- every with every progression he goes through he gets less and less accurate he gets a little bit more sloppy there's just some there's just something quite different where he's just missing just a little bit and yeah, I, I actually really agree with you. I think that you can, though you don't give credit for head-to-head and wins and losses, they don't play against each other, you can definitely make a better eval as to who you yeah. like better if you watch them in the same game.
5: I think that the, the nickname for Joe Montana of Joe Cool, while it, Fits so well with peanuts, it also just fit with his name and who he was. And there are other quarterbacks who have that trait. I think Aaron Rodgers, you know, looks like he's cool under pressure playing. Brock Purdy does the same thing. I'm not saying he's Joe Montana or Aaron Rodgers, but he does look like he's not rattled. Uh, Dak at times looks rattled, Dak does not look like he's Joe cool back there, even in situations that you know could be beneficial for them. Purdy kind of. You know, emits that sort of arrogance, if you will. Uh, he's it's, he's not alone again, and he's not to the level of Montana or Rogers, but it's also glaring when you compare him and Dak on the field at the same time.
3: I, I also think that a good portion of all of this is reaction to Cowboys fans more than anything, right? Like the 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 Cowboys themselves are. I, I, I don't feel like there's any sort of there, there's the same aura that there ever used to be that all of us feel like we know, you know, something bad's going to follow something good. That's usually what happens with the Cowboys. Like they're good. They're talented. But, you know, you lose your best cover corner and it's not going to be as good. And you're playing a really good team. Like I, I also think that we will do this thing where we'll talk about the Cowboys because they're the Cowboys when maybe we should just talk about the Niners are awesome.
4: And that, yeah. to, to that point, let me ask you guys, let me take a quick poll here between the two of you. You guys are two of, the, of the, your opinions I value uh, most. Who is the best player on the 49ers right now? Who's their best player? Uh, Fred Warner
5: made a pretty good case last night, to be completely honest. If you wanted to go down that sort of train, um, that trail. He's so good. He's so good. I mean,
3: I've, I've, I do this all the time when I talk about the Niners, where I, I, you go through. It's like, okay, Fred Warner is amazing. Nick Bosa is amazing. Uh, Trent Williams is amazing. You know, I, they don't even use you know a fullback a ton, but you know, Kyle Jursek is the best fullback. Uh, you know. A, of of the you know in the league maybe there's not a lot of them. Sure. George Kittle's not the best, but he's probably the best blocking, pass catching tight end. Like they have, and Christian McCaffrey's probably the best running back in the league. Who's the best player? I'm a Nick Bosa guy, but you're right. Fred Warner made some incredible I would,
4: plays. I would say day. CMC would be the third player. And the the point behind the question, if it isn't obvious, is that like, if they're five and zero, I think they've had the best player of every game. That's been different. And I think that's what makes it so special. I was thinking about this last night. I Watching Fred Warner make those plays, maybe the most athletic guy in the field, I don't know. Eye I, I test-wise. And then last night, Brock Purdy maybe was the best player because he didn't make any mistakes. But every And then CMC last night, I think, averaged like two yards a carry, and it wasn't a factor <laughs> at all. Um, it, that's what – it kind of speaks to how impressive the team is.
3: Yeah, they just they have they have an incredible depth of talent, a depth of star level talent. Whereas other teams, like I was watching the Patriots yesterday, and they just don't have any dudes. It's like how is this the same league? It's like it's like it almost feels like the Patriots are on NCA probation, you know? And that and the Niners are cheating, and that's not the case at all.
5: What are you gonna say, Dan? It just looks so easy for the 49ers. They honestly like they're when Ayuk and Kittle are running their crossing routes and. I mean, on, from the view that we have on TV, it looks so easy. Then when you see the end zone view and you see the dime that Purdy drops, you know, in between the, the two levels of the Cowboys defense, you have more of an appreciation for it. But, you know, guys just seem to be running free and are open. And it's always the same guys, too. It's it's just uh, Kittle or Ayuk. One of them's got something. Uh, here's Christian McCaffrey open. on a little rod right out of the backfield crazy it's crazy
3: it's crazy how much better than everybody else and and you know again i understand different competition and the eagles are equally undefeated they did not have an easy time with the rams they haven't had really an easy time most of the year and uh and, and yet they, they too are undefeated uh, and they're on a collision course i think they play what the first first weekend in december and then you feel like you know they're going to play first week in december and those two teams are going to play in the NFC championship game
0: Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity
3: voice remote. What up, Doug Gottlieb, show Fox Sports Radio. Hope you're having a great day. Had a good weekend. If you like using debit over credit... Don't you think it's time to get rewarded? Well, now you can with Discover Cashback Debit. It's a checking account that rewards everyone with cash back on everyday purchases. No fees, period. Check out eligibility and terms at discover.com slash cashback debit. Discover Bank, member FDIC. Oh, what a weekend in in, uh, college football. Uh, We'll get to this in the podcast, but is anybody else... I, I just... If you were any other player in college football and you won a game on the road um, and he went over to the opposing student section and flashed a Rolex, what would our impression of that young person be? it would be like, what a DB move, right? Wouldn't you? So I'm sorry, like, I just, until, here's what we're going to do, okay? Because Colorado's good. Like, I talked to a couple coaches this weekend that played against Colorado. Uh, two, in fact. And they were like, look, their offensive line's still a work in progress. Their defense is, but their, their, their offense is legit good. And Shador's good. He's a good player. But, I mean, the fact is, you there's the old expression you're either coaching it or allowing it. And the Dion is either coaching or allowing Shador to act that way. It's like, what are we doing? What, what are we, what is actually taking place here? No one does that. No one does that. So pointing to the scoreboard. Totally cool. Um, but walking, going over to their student section and holding up your your Rolex on your wrist is the most bizarre, like, somehow supported behavior I can ever remember. Like, you're too good a player. You don't have to do that. You don't have to do any of that. And it's weird. It's like... Um, It's almost like an old movie script, you know, where you get your you get your uh, what's what's it called, Jace, too, where you have your line like everybody has their their one is a call sign, but their one like go to line they're forever known by. You know, and they always have to get it in catchphrase. It's almost like it's his catchphrase. And I don't if I was him, I don't know if I, I don't know why would that why would you want that to be your catchphrase? I don't, I don't know. Notre Dame lost again. Um, uh, OU beats Texas when Texas has the ball, a chance to, uh, you know, didn't score in the red zone, then has a chance to run down the clock, albeit it was a little wonky, but credit Oklahoma. That's a gigantic, gigantic win. And I, I at some point you have to tell say, look, Sark, you mismanaged some things. You got to be better. You can't be an offensive mastermind and guru and not be able to punch the ball in late in the, you know, inside the five yard line. That, that can't happen. Can't happen. USC kind of slip through things. Felt like they brought their A game the first half to Colorado. Then been asleep since, and they almost pulled a Miami where they almost fumbled late. And then there's the Miami story. What a cluster! You know what? Like the ones that I can think of. Bob Stoops, um, the last game Tyreek Hill played at Oklahoma State, Bob Stoops was still the coach at Oklahoma. He punted to Tyreek Hill. There was a penalty, and he chose to punt again, where Tyreek Hill took it back to the house. And it's among the stupidest things ever. I've heard the kick six thing be, you know, be considered a collapse, but you know, what, you're not going to try a field goal there? And you have to have your field goal block personnel out there. So it wasn't like you didn't know it was a possibility. There was just It just happened. And Auburn had some great blocks and a great alley and had a great return and, and returned it. But I, I, I think the difference in even the Stoops play, which feels like dumb coaching, right? All you got to do is tell them to kick it out of bounds. Maybe he tried to kick it out of bounds. But those are one-play deals. This was... You didn't need to even run a play. All you had to do was take a snap and take a knee. And the game is over. That's it. Over. And then you get beat on what looked like a cover two beater on the first throw for 40 yards. And then on a 35-yard touchdown pass, how did they get behind you? How's that possible? How could they possibly get behind you? I mean, A&M lose at home to Alabama. We've seen the gaggies gag before. We've seen USC sleepwalk before. We've seen OUB Texas before. Granted, last year it was 49 nothing. This year they come back and beat him. But man, I Mario Cristobal, they've done this before. I, I don't I I of course I know what's at play. The running back had 99 yards trying to get him a hundred. You're trying to satisfy him, satisfy his handlers, satisfy his agent, the whoever gave money in the NIL. You know, trying to make a point. Cristobal's a former lineman. We're going to punch you in the mouth and punch you in the mouth again. You're trying to do all those things when the only thing you need to think about is how do we win the game? What's the, what's the, what's the clearest path to winning a game? And considering it was three plays in a row, I just, what an epic and abject disaster. Disaster. stuck so Gottlieb show here on Fox Sports Radio. Let's uh, play a little game we call Love and Hate. Uh, we go around the room. What did you love? God, I love you. And what did you hate? Meet these player haters. Um, I'll start with you, Dan Byer. What'd you love from the weekend?
5: I love that I thought this segment was in the second hour. So that's what I loved about it. So, so, sorry. Sorry guys. I mean I could give you the obvious that, you know, Ohio State won. That was a that was a great win, that they looked a lot better um than uh you know than they did against Notre Dame, but there are still problems. Maryland gave them uh, a bit of a of a test in the first half. Marvin Harrison Jr. though did uh, did end up shining brightly, so that was good to see because he was also dinged up in that Notre Dame game, but mm-hmm. didn't really show any ill effects of it in that win against the Terps on Saturday.
3: Uh, let's go to John Ramos. John Ramos, something you love from the weekend?
6: I love the fact that we handed the number one pick. Of the NFL, of Caleb Williams to the Cardinals and the Rams, that they were both going to tank for Caleb Williams. Meanwhile, welcome the Vikings, the Patriots, the Bears, and the Broncos, all one and four. And the Raiders, if they lose, they'll be one and four. And by the way, the Panthers are 0 and five. So there's a lot of teams vying for good old Caleb Williams, and it's not just the Cardinals. So I love that part of it.
4: So what you're saying, John, is that each of those teams are hashtag caving for Caleb?
6: (laughs) Probably. I also feel that this is a shot
5: at me every time John brings this up. Because again, Doug, you were out the week. Maybe you were in for Colin when we did this and talked about when Colt McCoy got released. We said the Cardinals were tanking. So every time he brings this up, which is, by the way, like the third time in five weeks.
3: And, and, and oh, yeah, by the way, just, just so you know, John, yes. I,
5: I thought the same thing
3: when, when they made that move. You know, <laughs> no, I think no, every, it was,
4: it was like a hundred percent. Everybody said the same thing. That's what's yeah. funny about it. It was, yeah. it was, well, they stole it from me.
5: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That's what they do.
4: Yep. Uh, Jay Stu, give me, send me love. You know, um, I think I'm going to be the one voice out there for Jared Goff. I just want I want to I want to take up for him every week. I need to throw you guys some numbers, okay? He was 20 for 28 yesterday, 236 yards, three touchdowns, no interceptions, passer rating of 132.4. Uh, he was brilliant, and the Lions won. The Lions won for the 12th time in 15 games. Um, and if that doesn't interest you, and that doesn't get you to love Jared Goff, maybe this will because I know a lot of y'all are degenerates. He is 15-5 and five in his last 20 games against the spread. Uh, what does that tell you? That tells you that the gambling public didn't have much faith in him, and he still covered the spread on their ass. Um, Jared Goff, I love you.
3: All right. Hmm, okay. Um, I love what happened at Dodger Stadium. And I'm sorry to you, Ramos, and to you, uh, Jason Stewart. (laughs) But there is no more that's baseball than what happened between the Dodgers and the Arizona Diamondbacks. Now, again, I I told you I, I basically know two guys' names on the Arizona Diamondbacks. I didn't know anything about Merrill Kelly. Like, he's 34, and it's only his fourth year in the league. I know he had a very good year. He struck out 187 batters, and... And had a 3.29 ERA. But if you were going to tell me, in a playoff game, you got Clayton Kershaw and somebody named Merrill Kelly getting the start. Who would pitch better? And if, if you're like, man, how come I didn't hear about that game on my football Saturday? That's because Clayton Kershaw lasted one-third of an inning. One-third of an inning. And he gave up six hits, six earned runs. One home run and one walk in one third of an inning. I just love that. That's baseball. How I many of my friends are like, "Dude, Kershaw, and Kelly, Kershaw can't get out. Can't get the second out of the inning. Kelly ends up throwing. I think it was like six innings or something like that. That's baseball. It's I it's the
4: that. it's the worst uh, the worst performance by a starting pitcher in the history of the league, um, and it might be his last performance as a Dodger. And how it would kind of epitomize things if he was to have his last game as a Dodger be him getting ripped in a playoff game? Because you know, for us that have known Clayton, one of the greatest regular season pitchers of all time, and he's had his struggles in the postseason. Um, but you just stole what I hate. Uh, I hated seeing him kind of go out that way. That not. It's not that. It's not that I, I didn't predict that the Diamondbacks were going to win this series. But uh, but to get their asses kicked like that, to uh, for a team with that offense to spend the first six or seven innings getting, what, two hit or three hit, not really getting anybody in scoring position, to score a, gor- a garbage run late, um, I mean, that's pretty pathetic.
3: Okay, what about you there, uh, Dan Beyer?
5: What do you hate? You know what? This is kind of a, a weird sort of angle, but... I hate that the Big Ten doesn't have enough good teams to provide a good football schedule for TV. Like, it, like NBC, you know, the new deal that they had this year, you have a Michigan, no offense, Minnesota, it's not just you, it's, it's everybody. You had Michigan, Minnesota is the primetime game, and I know they were playing for the brown jug. Old, uh, oh, is it the old oaken bucket? No, that's they play for the jug. The jug, yeah. Yes, the little brown jug. And this week, Ohio State takes on Purdue on Peacock, and the other, the other game, because they do have Notre Dame and USC that night, is Illinois and Maryland. Like, you just, they actually really need Oregon, Washington, UCLA, and USC right now to provide some good football games, because I know it's going to change in the future, but this year, that new TV deal has left a lot to be desired, When you're trying to talk about big-time college football on the uh, you know network broadcast,
3: well, I I think you just uncovered the the little dirty little secret that most people uh, have not been willing to admit, right? And this year, even more so, with the Pac-12 being so much better than the Big Ten. But the Big Ten hasn't been outside of the you know Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan since Michigan State's fallen off. Like it's been a three-team conference.
5: Yeah, there's maybe you know a year or two that Iowa and Wisconsin, Wisconsin show yeah. up, but yeah, to have it consistently be there just is not there, and so that's how you end up with Illinois, Maryland at three thirty Eastern Time on Saturday.
3: Mm-hmm. Uh, I, let me give you uh, who else R- Ramos? Did you give us something you hate?
5: What do you
6: know? I, I can go many different ways because I, I think uh, that you guys might disagree with big time this, but I think you guys are. I think the Kershaw thing is a little overblown. Uh, but uh, he had
3: the worst start okay, in the history but, of the league okay. for a starting pitcher in the playoffs. I understand that, but you can't all, overblow that. He's I, one of the he's, on a he's a minute. first
6: ballot Hall of Famer, John. Yes, I understand that. But the point that I saw all over Twitter was Kershaw again doing bad in the playoffs. That's what he does. I agree with you that it was a bad start. What I don't agree with is the fact that in all of the other games that he started, that he played bad. Okay. He pitched like seven innings of great baseball, and either A, they left him in too long because there was no bullpen to go to, or, you know, it wasn't, that. Was, th- these two things are totally different. They're not the same thing. They're not the same point of him being bad. They're, he was bad as what he did, but it's not the same as calling him a bad postseason pitcher for the previous things. Those those weren't to me his, that one year that he pitched three, he pitched Three consecutive games on three days' rest. Do you remember that series against the Cubs? Yeah. Okay. So that's totally different. He pitched great all, and then he just ran out of gas and it was like, oh, playoff Kershaw. I mean, they're not the same. They're not. You always talk about apples and oranges. I think this is apples and oranges for Kershaw. Again, I don't disagree that he pitched a bad game. One third of an inning is horrible. But to compare, like, oh, that's just playoff Kershaw, I don't think
4: it's the same concept. Well, I mean, if you just compare the numbers, like, it, it comes down to a comparison because. These might be decent postseason numbers for a regular person, but for a Hall of Famer, his postseason numbers overall, uh, thirteen and eleven with a four four nine ERA. Uh, if you just take those stats Compare to, compared to what he has done over the length of his career, then that that does look like less than mediocre. He's had good performances within that, but I, you know, the the term playoff Kershaw is is a thing for. For a reason, right, John?
6: Yeah. Well, my other one, basically, yeah. too, was that Jason, I was- Oh, we're uh, doubling ha- up here? Is I hated yeah. the fact-
3: Yeah, but well, I know we get double up. Like, I <laughs> my show. I get to say stuff. But, okay, go ahead. No, John, by by all means, go ahead. I
6: hated the fact that Jason was actually 100% correct in his analysis of the two National League playoff games. He both said that these teams are going to have trouble with teams they've seen in their own division. And, you know, by the way, the Braves, they hadn't been shut out at home the entire season. This year, and they were shut out for the first time 3-0 to the Philadelphia Phillies. So I hate Jason for the fact that he was 100% on target with that.
3: Yeah, that's that's baseball as as well. Um, I'll tell you what I hate. So USC was marching down the field a chance to score and win uh, win their game on a game-winning field goal, right? And they end up botching a snap and not getting a chance. So it goes to overtime. They score very easily. Arizona Arizona, gets the ball and scores easily as well. They don't go for two and ultimately lose in three overtimes. And you're just sitting there going like, because remember, in double overtime, you have to go for two. Triple overtime, there's no more touchdowns. It's just everything is a two-point conversion. But the you all you have to do is one play to win the game, and if you're – you know, you're Jed Fish. You're sitting there today. For it, it feels different for Arizona to not have gone for two and lose than to have gone for two and lo- lost. Feels different. I still think they're going to beat some people. Uh, that's what we love and what we hate. It's Doug Gottlieb's Show here on Fox Sports Radio. Coming to next live from the TyRac.com studios. How big a deal is it that Taylor Swift was a no-show at the Chiefs game yesterday? Find out next.
0: Be sure to catch the live edition of the Doug Gottlieb Show weekdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific.
1: At bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field.
3: Mm-hmm. It is the Doug Gottlieb Show, live from the Tirec.com studios. Welcome in. Every day this time, we like to gather stories. Actually, we don't gather them. So Dan Byer does. So, we play a game. Hey, a reminder, Game Time is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection, just one place, but on SaveProgressive.com. Um... All right, what's the game today, Dan?
5: Yes, it's big deal, little deal, or no deal, Doug. Big deal, little deal, or no deal that there was no Taylor Swift at the Chiefs-Vikings game.
3: I'm going to say uh, it's a little deal. It's a little deal. It's a big deal if you watch when Harry Met Sally, right? When Harry Met Sally, you know you don't want to take somebody to the airport or the relationship because they're like, why don't you take me to the airport anymore? It's the same thing uh, here as well, right? The exact same thing where you're like, wait, Taylor Swift's not going to go to every game? No one's girlfriend. They just start dating and goes to every single game. So I don't think it's that big a deal. But because of how big a thing it's become, it feels like a bigger deal. So, it should be a no deal. We'll work it up to a little deal.
5: There apparently was a sweet set aside for them if they needed it, or TV networks were alerted to it. Yeah. All stuff that I saw on social media that I have no idea if it was true or not, so why not just tell a national audience, uh, big deal, little deal or no deal, Doug, that Anthony Richardson got hurt again for the Indianapolis Colts. That's a big deal.
3: We're like, what? two games in legit to him playing and starting and he's been hurt twice. And this one's his throwing shoulder. It's a big deal, especially considering, you know, I don't think him getting hurt was a, is something specific, but he needs to be out there. And he also is one of the bigger, stronger human beings. You're ever going to see play quarterback. And the fact that he's gotten hurt twice, despite that immense size and physical
5: nature tells you how
3: hard a sport this
5: is. And yesterday is the type of play that you can get hurt on the, the, when he was brought down by Tennessee and how he was brought down. That's stuff that you have to avoid. All right, Doug. Shifting gears to college football. Big deal, little deal, or no deal, that six basketball blue bloods were ranked in the top twenty-five college football poll. Ralph Russo of the AC of the AP pointing this out.
3: Ralph Russo. Ralph Russo's a great name, isn't it? Hey, how you doing? My name is Ralph Russo. <laughs> Ralph Russo. And those teams are Georgia, Michigan, Ohio State, Florida State, Oklahoma, Penn State, right? Like, wow,
5: that is a an unbelievable list. Um, but when it comes to basketball blue bloods, yeah. it's North Carolina, yep, Louisville, yep. Uh, North Carolina twelve, Louisville is fourteenth, Duke is seventeenth, UCLA eighteenth, Kansas twenty third, and Kentucky twenty four. I mean,
3: I'm just going to tell you right now, people have no idea what
5: they're do- what they're doing.
3: Kansas is what twenty third, yeah. 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 They will finish they higher than 23rd.
5: Took it to UCF. But is that a big deal that these basketball schools now have football programs that are on the you know, top 25? First time um, ever, I think, Ralph said. I,
3: I, I think it's related in that you know, so much of it is, is about can you get kids to campus with NIL? And when you're making money in football and you have great support in football, you can, you can spread some of that out. I think it's a, it's a big deal. In that those are, a lot of those are not historically great programs, Kansas especially. But uh, I'm going to go little deal because so much of it's about the money. And not, not every school is about Kansas hasn't spent crazy amounts of money. Lance Leopold's done an amazing job. But some of it is just, hey, they've had, you know, they have great infrastructure for uh, NIL and allows them to be competitive.
5: Big deal, little deal, or no deal, Doug, that the Big 12 Conference and Gonzaga have reengaged in talks. that could see the school join the league as soon as next season.
3: Real? Um really big deal. Really big deal. I mean, look, Brett Yornmark is he comes from a basketball background, New York guy. Used to be the president of the Brooklyn Nets when they moved to Brooklyn moved to Brooklyn from Jersey. And he said he thinks he has the best basketball league in the country, but he wants to keep adding to it. And Gonzaga's kind of, you know, they've they've wanted to play big time basketball and be a part of a big time conference forever. And the Pac twelve may have fit that. But now, whatever they have out there doesn't. Uh, you got some proximity there to BYU, Utah. They're in the same league as BYU up until this year. But you put a league out there with Kansas, Arizona, Gonzaga, Houston. Like, wow. Uh, that's a big deal.
5: Finally, Doug, big deal, little deal, or no deal that the wild card teams in the baseball postseason are 5-1 so far in the six games played in the Divisional Series. <laughs> uh, feels like a big deal.
3: You know, I'm not a big, I you know, I don't think there's that big a deal with the rest thing. But it appears to be, at least the first game out of the box, a big deal with the rest thing. And, you know, those teams have nothing to lose. Right? They already got to the legit playoffs by winning their wild card thing, a little bit of house money. And so they're, they're playing a little bit more free and easy. Let's see what happens as the series goes on. That's game time
5: game, huh? game time. This
0: is game time on the Doug Gottlieb Show.
3: So there's always two sides to look at it, right? Like Niners, Cowboys. We could look at the Cowboys being disappointed, or the Niners being awesome. What about the Jets beating the Broncos? Which side do we look at? I'll tell you next on the Doug Gottlieb Show, Fox Sports Radio.